Welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast ministry of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. For today's message, we are going back into our archives and bringing back a message from Pastor Roy on forgiveness. The message is entitled, What Forgiveness is All About. Here's Pastor Roy from Bethesda Church. Today we are continuing our series on the life of Joseph. Trusting God Through Shattered Dreams. Last week, we talked about a speech, a shock, and a shepherd. We looked in chapter 44 and 45, and we saw Judah's heart-rending speech, his willingness to sacrifice his life for his younger son, Benjamin, which we never saw prior to that time. That God had so worked in Judah's heart and changed his heart that he was willing to become a substitute and a sacrifice for his brother Benjamin. And in that picture, we see a picture of Christ who is willing to be our substitute and our sacrifice for our sin. We then looked at an overwhelming shock, and we saw Joseph reveal himself to his brothers. We saw the incredible and intense struggle of his emotions when he revealed himself, having 20 years of pent-up emotion to let out. And then we saw a provident loving shepherd, the providence of God, and we looked at the the blessings of providence and the supremacy of God and the security of God. He said, it wasn't you who sent me here, but God. And he saw the providence of God through everything that he had been through. And then we saw the benefits of providence in Joseph's life, his competence in service. He was competent to serve and lead the nation of Egypt, because God had prepared him to do that. We then looked at his contentment in situations, even in prison, in the various things that he was placed in. He had great contentment because God was there. We then saw his companionship in suffering. We looked back earlier in the account of Joseph at the very beginning It says that the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. And to remind us that we have companionship in suffering. We don't go through it alone. The fourth thing we looked at was comfort in sorrow. There is no sorrow too great that God cannot bring comfort to because he is the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our trouble so that we can comfort others with the same comfort we ourselves have received from God. Today we are going to focus on the concept of forgiveness. What is forgiveness all about? And with that I have some questions. The first question I want us to look at, and this is really an introductory question before we really delve into the account of Joseph again, but why is forgiveness so difficult? Why is it so hard to forgive? Well, maybe because of what's required. What is required in forgiveness is that you and I have to release an individual. We have to be able to pardon their offense. We have to be able to let it go. We have to say, I will not bring revenge on this person. And therefore, I have to let it go. Even though they wronged me, I'm willing to forgive them and not hold it against them anymore. And I give up the idea of resentment. 
As I thought about the difficulty of forgiveness, my mind was taken back to a time in our family when Ryan and I went to the Humane Society to pick out a dog. You're like, what in the world does that have to do with forgiveness? Bear with me. I thought I would surprise my wife with this dog, and the mission was accomplished. I did, in fact, surprise her. I learned not to do those kind of surprises anymore. However, when we got this dog home, which was really a puppy, who we affectionately named Peaches, we got Peaches home, and Peaches, as most puppies, like to chew on things. So Peaches would chew on the boys' toys and literally destroy them, dismember their little action figures. Peaches chewed on our Venetian blinds. Peaches chewed Pam's shoes up. Peaches would not go to the bathroom outside and decided to make deposits all over our family room downstairs. And so I finally made a decision. Either Peaches has to go or I have to go. Needless to say, we don't have Peaches anymore. Uh, Peaches is gone. And I thought, you know, I had trouble forgiving that dog for everything that dog ever did. But I thought, how much more difficult is it for us to forgive an individual when they wrong us and we want to place revenge on someone? I could think about peaches and I, you know, related to Paul's thorn in the flesh. And I thought, that's what we should have named peaches is thorn. (laughs) Because that dog was a thorn in our side. And when I looked up the idea of what a thorn was, it says it's a modified branch in the form of a sharp Woody spine, and that's what I thought about peaches. (laughs) But forgiveness can be difficult because we have to give up the idea of getting revenge. Perhaps some of you parents can relate to this humorous little story. There was a dad who said when his son was three years old and he opened a birthday gift from his grandmother, he discovered a water pistol. He squealed with delight and headed for the nearest sink. The dad said, I was not so pleased. In fact, he said he turned to his mother and said, I'm surprised at you. Don't you remember how he used to drive you crazy with water guns? Mom smiled and replied, I remember. (laughs) Little revenge. And isn't that our human nature is to get revenge, even sometimes in little things. And then I think about the temporary Sunday school teacher who was struggling to open a combination lock on the supply cabinet. She had been told the combination, but she couldn't quite remember it. Finally, she went to the pastor's study and asked for help. The pastor came into the room and he began to turn the dial. After the first two numbers, he paused and stared blankly for a moment. And finally, he looked serenely heavenward and his lips moved silently And then he looked back at the lock and quickly turned to find the final number and opened the lock. The teacher was amazed. I'm in awe at your faith, pastor, she said. Oh, he said, it's really nothing, he answered. The number's on a piece of tape on the ceiling. (laughs) Well, it may have been difficult for this temporary Sunday school teacher to find the combination to open the cabinet. How much more difficult do we find it as believers to find the combination of grace, love, and forgiveness to be able to extend that to someone who has wronged us?
I think about the challenges that we have from world history. Atrocities like the Holocaust make it extremely difficult for a person not only to even consider the concept of forgiveness, let alone to practice it. Some have served in our armed forces in various wars and have witnessed the loss of comrades who fought alongside them and struggle with the notion that forgiveness is to be extended even to those who have taken lives of our military men and women. I think of challenges even within our own community in Huron who have been victims of domestic abuse whether beaten by a spouse or a child who has suffered physical or verbal abuse. Almost daily we hear about families being divided and marriages being dissolved, all because people will not choose to forgive. I think about challenges in our own personal lives. Forgiveness is difficult because we have to be willing to release someone for what they've done to us. To let go of revenge and to begin to even love the person who injured us. It's difficult because we have to show kindness to someone who has violated us, who has broken our trust or rejected me or said something hateful to me. Forgiveness is difficult because we have to love the person who abused us verbally or emotionally or even sexually. God says we need to forgive. Forgiveness is difficult when someone lies to me or I get bypassed for a promotion that I deserved and it was handed to someone else. It's difficult when a spouse walks out and is not willing to honor their vows that they took before God. It's difficult when a spouse has been unfaithful and expects the innocent party to overlook and forgive their offense. I will never forget serving on the staff in Virginia just a little over two years ago in August of 2009. We had two Virginia Tech college students who were brutally murdered in a park not near from the far from the campus they were two young people who loved the lord and who were dating one another and went out there to have a special date and were brutally shot to death i will never forget attending that double funeral and in that double funeral there were over a thousand people who had gathered to help bring comfort and to mourn the loss of these two young people who love the Lord. I'll never forget the two dads standing up and coming up out of the audience and getting behind the podium and sharing with the audience the one dad who lost his son. He said, Many of you know about God, but many of you don't know God. And I remember talking to him in the ensuing months and what amazed me about these families, particularly the one dad, he said, we do not doubt the sovereignty of God. And when I heard that, I thought, I wonder if I would have that kind of rock-solid faith in my own life to be able to say that myself. 
In the midst of pain and loss and sorrow, I heard the words of forgiveness toward an individual who took the lives of their young people and they don't even know to this day who the perpetrator was. What incredible forgiveness. And I think the only way that can happen is those people have understood how much God has forgiven them. We have to understand how much God has forgiven me. That my offense against a holy God is like this. But any other person's offense against me is another sinner offending another sinner. And the greatest that offense could only be that big. I have to remember that my offense against a holy God is like this. And my offending you or you offending me could be no greater than that in light of what God has forgiven us. And yet there's such a challenge because of the pain that we face. And yet we come to the Joseph account and we ask the question, how was Joseph able to find forgiveness in his heart toward his brothers? Because we see a man who had every reason to be filled with anger, revenge, bitterness, retaliation for the wrongs committed against him. The jealousy and mistreatment of his brothers, followed by slavery and false accusation of Potiphar's wife, further followed by the injustice of being placed in prison and later forgotten by the chief cupbearer. If anybody had a reason to be bitter, it was Joseph. If anyone had a reason to have a spirit of unforgiveness in their life, it was Joseph. And yet we see pouring out of him kindness and love. And forgiveness. The second question I have in regard to forgiveness is why is forgiveness so despised? You say, I didn't think it was. It is. It is despised. And you know why it's despised? Because people want to get even. Therefore, I am not going to let somebody off the hook. I'm going to come back, and if they've hurt me, I'm going to hurt them back. After all, in the New Testament, or Old Testament, doesn't it say an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? Isn't that the idea of revenge that God was talking about? And the answer is no, it's not. In fact, nowhere in Scripture are we encouraged to take matters into our own hands and bring revenge towards someone else. The reason the eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth was implemented was so that the punishment would fit the crime. And it was taken before the judge, and the judge would decide an equal punishment for an equal crime. So it not would be too harsh. But it was always to be implemented by a judge. Never a person to a person seeking revenge. So people want to get even, so forgiveness is despised. There's an Italian proverb that says, The person who offends writes as if it was written on sand, and the person who is offended reads it as if it were written on marble. Do you see the difference? And yet, the Apostle Paul reminds us in Romans 12, 17, he says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. 
And in Romans 12, 19, he says, Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. You know, there's a saying in our day that what goes around comes around. And you know what? There's a lot of truth to that because in essence we're saying, you reap what you sow. And that is true. But the difficulty comes in when we as sinful creatures want to initiate the coming around (laughs) rather than leaving it to God to do that. Joseph's brothers were going to even the score. Dad showed favoritism to Joseph, so we'll remove the favored child and see who he favors next. Joseph thinks we're going to bow down to him. He's going to bow down to us first. And then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. So people want to get even. They don't want to forgive. That's human nature. Secondly, people suppress the truth. I want to be in control, and I reject the notion that I have done anything wrong. I justify my sinful behavior and rationalize away the truth so I can live a delusional life. That's what the people in Romans did. In Romans 1.18, it says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. And what do we see in the story of Joseph? We see the brothers suppressing the truth about what they did for 20 years. They lived a lie. And what do we even see today in our media? You know, all of the accusations that have come out against Jerry Sandusky, and it's, it's, it's all fabricated. You know, and suppressing the truth instead of living up to the truth, instead of seeking forgiveness. You see, the other element is not only do we not want to forgive, we do not want to believe, on the other hand, that we need forgiveness. There are a lot of people who say, Well, I'm a good person, I don't need to be forgiven. Case in point is in Acts chapter 7 when Stephen preaches his message to the Sanhedrin. And they reject his message. And he calls them stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. He said, you're just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. In other words, you suppress the truth and you're guilty of breaking God's law. And you're in need of forgiveness, but you reject it. I know God says I need to forgive, but surely he doesn't want me to forgive that person. I know I need to forgive, but he surely doesn't want me to forgive that many times. And that's how we rationalize. And yet we find the example and teaching of Jesus in Matthew 18, verse 15. He says, if your brother sins against you, you are to go and show him his fault just between the two of you. I remember when I was on staff in Virginia, I had a gentleman come into my office one day, and he started, he started criticizing one of the other pastors and telling me that something he did that hurt him. I said, stop. 
I'm not that pastor. He's a few doors down. You need to go talk to him. And I would not entertain any more conversation. He got up out of my office. He went down and he spoke to that pastor. Fifteen minutes later, he came back to my office. He said, it's all taken care of. I said, praise the Lord. That's the way it has to be done. We don't sit and we gossip and we say things behind people's backs. We go to them individually, face to face, and we sit down and we deal with the offense in a God-honoring way with the goal always being reconciliation and bringing glory to God in the process. And he gives us the whole list of things we need to do to make that happen. Another thing that people do, why they despise forgiveness, is because people misunderstand the truth. When Joseph shares his dreams with his brothers, they totally misunderstand what he was talking about. They only heard his natural men and failed to see the divine element in what he was sharing. They failed to see that God was behind the dreams and he would initiate all the action necessary to bring about the fulfillment of those dreams. And people misunderstand the truth and therefore they despise forgiveness. In fact, Peter, later in Matthew 18, he asked Jesus, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven. Jewish law required three. He thought, I'll double it and add one. (laughs) Maybe that'll be good enough. Jesus said, you're totally misunderstanding. You don't even keep a record of wrongs. You live with an attitude and a spirit of forgiveness. And that's easier said than done. The fourth reason people despise forgiveness is because people believe in their own goodness. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to in, in, in over the years who have said, well, I'm a good person. I haven't hurt anybody. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't done anybody wrong. And they believe in their own goodness, and therefore they despise forgiveness. They despise the idea that they are sinful beings who need the redemption of the blood of Jesus to wash away their sin and set them free. We see this in the Joseph account. In Genesis 42, 11, when his brothers appear before Joseph and they don't even know who they're talking to, he says, your brothers, your servants are honest men, not spies. Later, in in the same uh, passage of Scripture in 42, 31, They say, we said to him, we're honest men, we're not spies, we're good people. Were they? Look at the lie they have been holding on to for 20 years. I don't call that honest. But yet they rejected the idea that they needed to be forgiven. And God took them through that series of events to awaken their conscience to the reality of their sin. I even think of the rich young ruler, kept all the commandments... And yet, he didn't realize he was still a sinner in need of the forgiveness of God. A third question we need to look at this morning is, why is bitterness so destructive? You see, the bondage of bitterness can hold a person hostage. 
The binding ingredients of bitterness, I want to mention four of them. Number one is holding grudges. Holding grudges. Biblical example in Genesis chapter 27, verse 41, it says that Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. And that grudge had built up so much, he said, I will kill my brother Jacob. That's what happens when you hold a grudge. You become angry, and that anger turns into resentment, and that turns into bitterness. And somebody doing something they never thought they would do. Joseph's brothers in Genesis 37, 4, when his brothers saw that their father loved him, more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Just as oil and water does not mix, so does grudges and forgiveness. They don't mix. John Wooden, former coach of UCLA Bruins, said, Don't hold a grudge. It takes up room in your heart. It takes up time in your life. And it takes up space in your mind. To hold a grudge, you have to relive the feelings of resentment and you have to play the tape over and over to remind yourself that you have a grudge. That takes a lot of energy to do that. And the Bible says we should not hold grudges. The second thing people do in the spiral toward bitterness is harboring envy. You see, his brothers were jealous of him. It says in Genesis 37:11, and they harbored envy. It tells us in James 3:14, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly and spiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. Because when we harbor envy, it is like taking a glass of poison and drinking that poison and we wait for the other person to die. To harbor envy, I have to relive feelings of jealousy. I have to play the tape over and over of the picture of that scene to keep envy alive and well in my heart. I wonder how many times Joseph's brothers had to play that tape over and over and over to renew envy. The third binding element of bitterness is hurling insults. These are words that are intended to pierce the heart and cause emotional hurt. In Genesis 27:18 it says they saw him in the distance and before 37, 18, before they, uh, he reached them, they plotted to kill him. I can only imagine the verbal stuff that was coming out of their mouth. Because later they even said, here comes that dreamer. And it was a derogatory remark. Demeaning speech has to be kept alive by a steady stream of unkind thoughts. Moving through the mind and forcing its way to the engagement of the tongue. I think of the example of Jesus. In 1 Peter 2.23, it says, When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. 
When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. In other words, he trusted in the sovereignty of God. And that's exactly what we saw in Joseph. I think the fourth thing that causes bitterness, or is actually the outflow of bitterness, is hostile behavior. They said, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. They stripped him of his robe and they threw him in the cistern. It was only obvious what was coming because the seeds of bitterness had been sown in their heart. Hostile behavior has crystal clear memory of the grudges, the envious thoughts, the hurling insults, which becomes fuel to feed the passion of malicious behavior. Fourthly, why is forgiveness so desired? Why is it so desired? First, because forgiveness can break the chains of the past. Praise God. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. All of the bitterness, all of the resentment, all of the envy we can be emptied of when we come to the foot of the cross and acknowledge our sinfulness before a holy God and say, God, I don't have it in me to be able to forgive this person for what they did. And it doesn't mean by offering forgiveness that what they did is okay. It's acknowledging the hurt In spite of that, I choose to forgive them anyhow. It's not saying what they did is okay. It's leaving the retribution to God and not me taking it on myself. It breaks the chains of the past. Hebrews 8.12 says, For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Someone once said that forgiveness is the key which unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hatred. It breaks the chains of bitterness and the shackles of selfishness. The forgiveness of Jesus not only takes away our sin, it makes us as if they had never been. That's justification before God. The second thing, the reason forgiveness is so desired is because forgiveness can reconcile a broken relationship. What we saw here was a broken relationship for 20 years and God reunites Joseph with his brothers and reconciles this broken relationship. Why? Because of forgiveness. I think the reason, this is my own personal opinion, I think one of the reasons we do not experience revival in the church or in our country is because there is so much unforgiveness in people's hearts and they won't choose to forgive or won't choose to receive the forgiveness of God in their life. How does Joseph show that he actually forgives? Let me mention three things, and they're not on the PowerPoint, but I do want to mention them to you quickly. Number one, through his acts of compassion. He never actually in the text where we see where he actually uses the word, but his acts of compassion are overwhelming 
saying that he forgave. He gave his brothers food for their journey. He was concerned about their well-being. He sat down and had a meal with them. He put money back in their sacks after they paid for the grain. He told them to come and live with him, and he would provide for them. He forgave. The second thing he did is not only his acts of compassion, but through his words of consolation. Look again in chapter 45, down in verse 4. He says to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he says, I'm your brother, Joseph, the one you sold to Egypt. Now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. What words of consolation. When you and I can speak to someone's fear and apprehension, that is incredible love and forgiveness. The next thing we see, too, is through his tears of confirmation. You know, when the emotions are in line with what I say, it brings credibility. And his tears of confirmation, look again down in verse 14 of chapter 45. He threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin embraced him weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and he wept over them. And afterwards he talked with them. Oh, the forgiveness, the release that was there in his heart. And I'm sure he was weeping over the changed hearts of his brothers so they could be reunited. The third thing we see why forgiveness is so desired is because forgiveness can remove the spirit of revenge. We do not even see a trace of wanting revenge on his brothers. If we take a peek and flip over a couple pages to chapter 50 of Genesis, what we see down in verse 15, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you're to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of, your, of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to Joseph, he wept. Why? Because he had already forgiven them. He even later says, am I in the place of God? that I can't forgive. And so we don't even see a trace of wanting revenge on his brothers. This is beautifully illustrated in the life of Louis XII of France and how he treated his enemies after ascending to the throne. Before coming to power, he had been cast into prison and kept in chains. Later, when he did become king, he was urged to seek revenge, but he refused. Instead, he prepared a scroll on which he listed every person who had perpetrated crimes against him. And behind every man's name, he placed a cross in red ink. When the guilty heard about this, they feared for their lives and fled. Then the king explained the cross, which I drew beside each name, was not a sign of punishment, but a pledge of forgiveness extended for the sake of, of the crucified Savior, who upon his cross 
forgave his enemies and prayed for them. The last one I would mention is because forgiveness can replace hatred with love. Oh, the power of forgiveness. We do not have time to go to number five, which I kind of anticipated before we even started. But if you want to jot down number five, and we'll cover it another time, why is forgiveness so divine? Let's stand for a word of prayer. I would ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. We're not going to do a closing number this morning. Lorena is going to come and play softly on the piano. Because this was a heavy topic. And perhaps God, the Holy Spirit, is dealing in your life about something you need to forgive in someone else. Maybe you're here this morning and the first place you need to seek forgiveness is from God for your sinfulness. You realize that you have violated a holy God and you need to be forgiven of your sin. That You've never bowed your knee to God and confessed Him personally and asked Him to come into your life and be your Savior and Lord. That's where it starts. You have to do that personally. Or maybe you're here this morning and you th- say, you know, God brought somebody to my mind and heart this morning that I need to forgive. And it could be somebody that's already even passed on that you have to forgive. And by the grace of God, by the mercy of God, you can forgive that person for the wrong that they have done. And you can love them. What an amazing story in the life of Joseph. Because at the end, after they met with him in Genesis 50, it said he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. That's what forgiveness can do. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.